0: Playback on RTE Radio 1. Sponsored by FexcoCurrency.com. Your route to great-rate travel money at participating credit unions.
1: Good morning. Premiers, Presidents and Prime Ministers all in the news this week. All former, but their influence continues to ripple throughout the world. We start on Monday with the death at the age of 86 of Silvio Berlusconi, Italy's longest-serving post-war Premier. On the News at 1, Dr. Vittorio Bufacchi of UCC and author of Italy since 1989.
0: Silvio Berlusconi's legacy, not not just in Italy, but perhaps in politics uh, more internationally. What would you say it is?
2: Yes, I would say that Berlusconi will go down in history as the politician who legitimised extreme right-wing populist politics, both in Italy and globally.
1: Hmm. However, democratically elected, so the people did speak.
0: And yet, despite um, despite his despite his buffoonery on many occasions, despite the multiple, uh, including criminal cases that he that he was involved in, the allegations uh, laid against him, um, he had this record of of not not just getting into power, but uh, and unusually in post-war Italy, managing to stay to stay in power. What was his appeal, do you think?
2: Well, what was his appeal, indeed? Um, because There was a time when certain political uh, conducts would have been unacceptable. Um, But he understood, and this is part of his populism, um, that things like male chauvinism and misogyny actually can win you votes. Now, we all know about those allegedly sex parties, the bunga bunga parties with allegedly prostitutes and allegedly some of them even under the age of 18. But it was only only a few months ago um, that he's now the owner of a football club that wasn't doing very well, and he goes into the dressing room and says to his players, "If we if you win this game, I'll pay for prostitutes for all of you." Now that's disgusting. That's awful. But he's created a political environment where that is acceptable. So there is that side mm-hmm. of what made the uh, what made them. Um, <clears throat> acceptable in politics. Now, in terms of his policies, I mean, this is the, 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 uh, the paradox, because in the 1990s, he came into politics talking the, the political economy of Thatcherism. He was going to introduce the free market to Italy. He was actually going to change this, but of course he mm-hmm. didn't. Um, mm-hmm. Far from it. He talked the talk, but he certainly didn't walk the walk, because in fact, under Berlusconi, Italy had the biggest national debt that mm-hmm. got so big that it actually was a threat to the whole of the EU yeah. and he was asked to step down. Right. Vittorio um, we, we're, we're the going only to we're going of why Vittorio to politics was, Vittorio, was not for, for free market reasons but because he wanted to protect his own business interests. Vittorio we're and going to did. we are he going to have laws. to
0: we're going to have to leave it there there's a lot more that could be said and no doubt will in the in the coming days about Silvio Berlusconi.
1: Meanwhile, stateside on Wednesday a birthday for Donald Trump, 77. But in between the cake, he spent a few hours in a Florida courthouse. He pleaded not guilty to charges accusing him of improperly possessing and concealing classified documents. Afterwards, he spoke to supporters.
3: This is called election interference and yet another attempt to rig and steal a presidential election. More importantly, it's a political persecution like something straight out of a fascist or communist nation. This day will go down in infamy and Joe Biden will forever be remembered as not only the most corrupt president in the history of our country, but perhaps even more importantly, the president who together with a band of his closest thugs, misfits and Marxists tried to destroy American democracy.
1: Hugs, Misfits and Marxists, the difficult second album. Reflecting on all of that, Richard Painter, law professor and former White House ethics lawyer with Cormac on Drive Time.
4: I think there are 37 different counts uh, altogether or so and he has a co-defendant as well, but he is defiant. He certainly is
5: defiant uh, and uh, he has used this as an opportunity for uh, fundraising and uh, motivating his base And what's uh, surprising is that none of the um, uh, leading Republican politicians uh, are um, willing to stand up to him on this, uh, except for uh, we've had some criticism from Ron DeSantis of Florida, uh, but the others all are uh, acting like Trump lapdogs. And that's that's most uh, disappointing, because we have uh, national security at risk here when classified documents are uh, falling into unauthorized hands. Mm-hmm. And uh, this the matter should have been taken very, very seriously by Donald Trump um, and others. And, and unfortunately, I don't think it is.
1: But with Trump's eyes turned to the White House, could he survive a trial and a conviction?
4: What if he's convicted, uh, Richard? Is he toast, as William Barr says?
5: Well, I mean, that's up for the voters to decide. Uh, one of these statutes does say that someone who violates the statute uh, uh, and handling, mishandling classified information is disqualified from public office. But that may not be constitutional in the United States with respect to an ele- elected official such as the president. I mean, if people want to vote for a, uh, a convicted criminal for president, um, uh, then we're going to have to deal with that when we get to that stage. I, I don't think that's going to happen. Could he, happen. There are could he be in prison?
4: Strong... Would he be detained if he were convicted?
5: Well, it depends on what counts he's convicted of, um, and uh, some of these counts uh, certainly could have prison <laughs> time uh, associated with them. But then uh, the, the intriguing—can
4: I tap your expertise on this, uh, Richard? If and and we're making believe here for a second, but if he were to be convicted and detained in prison, uh, and he were elected president, he could then pardon himself and walk out of jail, couldn't he?
5: Well, whether the President can self-pardon is a debated question.
1: That was in the United States, and then closer to home on Thursday, former UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson and a report by the Privileges Committee into whether he misled Parliament over COVID lockdown parties in number 10. The report did not hold back. With Claire George Parker, political editor with the Financial Times.
6: I think it's fair to say the veracity of the report, the level of criticism aimed at Boris Johnson has sent shockwaves throughout the political establishment where you are this morning. Are you surprised by it?
7: Yeah, I mean, it landed in our inboxes at nine o'clock and I think there was a collective intake of breath breath along the um, Press Gallery corridor here at Westminster because it's 108 pages of absolutely damning evidence and conclusions against Boris Johnson. Um, You know, one of the most stinging reports I can remember ever seen you know, at the heart of it, the first time a, a prime minister has ever been found to have lied to Parliament. This recommendation he should be suspended for 90 days if he was still an MP, of course. That his parliamentary pass that he's entitled to as an ex-MP should, should not be allocated to him. You know, allegations that he in, was part of a campaign to intimidate the committee investigating this. The whole thing is absolutely coruscating.
1: However, in Boris Johnson's own words, this was a final knife thrust in a protracted political assassination designed, he says, to find me guilty regardless of the facts. But for the Conservative Party, not the look they're aiming for. On Morning Ireland, Only put this to Lucy Fisher, Whitehall editor with the Financial Times.
4: Yeah, this is all like the latest instalment, isn't it, of the Tory party's version of succession without being so much fun. <laughs>
6: Well, um, I I think uh, that's a rather apt comparison in some way. It certainly has been an incredibly um, fraught, uh, intense couple of weeks. And of course, um, this uh, Privileges Committee row was running alongside the row about Boris Johnson's resignation honours list. Two other Tory MPs, Nigel Adams and Nadine Dorries, have stepped down. Uh, in in apparent fury at being left off the peerages list. So the Tory psychodrama continues, and I think uh, the hope of many MPs that Rishi Sunak had been able to restore a sense of stability and seriousness to the party after the tumult of the Johnson-Truss era um, has uh, has slightly dissipated somewhat uh, in the past 10 days. Mm
4: -hmm. And then this... And lots of comparisons finally, Lucy, being made with uh, Donald Trump, um, whose reaction to allegations has been to bring the House down around him uh, and who is now trying to come back uh, by, you know, running again in 24. Boris Johnson's dream of a comeback. Is that possible?
6: I think anything's possible when it comes to Boris Johnson. You know, it's uh, an unwise um, commentator who writes him off. Um, look, at the moment, he, he, he's looking, um, you know, in, in a weaker position. Um, there aren't a huge amount of uh, MPs who will publicly come out and support him. It is quite a small coterie of uh, sort of ultra-loyalists, but he does have this uh, amazing uh, ability like a phoenix to rise from the ashes. And I also think, you know, even though he's leaving um, Parliament, he's certainly not leaving politics. And I expect there's a lot of speculation about him taking up a newspaper column, perhaps, um, uh, you know, starting his own TV show. I think we will um, be on the lookout for him sniping on the sidelines for some time yet.
1: From Morning Ireland and close to home on Thursday, Claire brought this from the Dáil. Good
6: morning. There have been some lively exchanges in the Dáil this morning, which I want to bring you now, between the Tháinís to Hall Martin and People Before Profit TD, Paul Murphy. This was following a question from Paul Murphy about the consultative forum on neutrality and his reservations about the speakers invited to participate in that forum. Let's hear some of it.
8: But what you are trying to suggest is certain people can't speak because they have a view. That is what you are saying, they should not be allowed to speak. Saying, if there is no. up to 50 or 60 speakers, if one or two have views that are country one or definitely two, more free, <laughs> definitely by <quiet> Barrett, then <laughs> they should two. not speak. That is intolerance. You guys are no great advocates of freedom of speech at all. Uh-huh. And I shudder to think of the day when you would ever be an authority, because by God would you put a jackboot on people who might have views That's differently. That is where you guys are That's coming from. That I, I mean, is where okay, I stand. Can I ask the T-shirt to withdraw that? I will not withdraw any. Can I ask that to it's withdraw? That? I, I'm asking you right now because in the past there was an issue about not asking for it immediately. He said that if we were in power we'd put the jackboot on people. Yes, yes. Could I ask yes, him to withdraw that comment? comment? I'm not withdrawing. Like we're in a parliament. Mm-hmm. I f- believe fundamentally. In the right of freedom of expression right. in this Parliament. So, okay. uh, sorry, I, I've, I've, I've witnessed this. the deputies opposite make all sorts of comments about okay. people.
9: That's okay. We're not going to have a debate. It's a bit the rich,
8: like sorry, for sorry, Deputy just Murphy just to Donald, be looking for. Can
9: we
10: throw the chair It's religion. getting
8: so much squeamish now.
4: Can we do
10: this through the chair, please? Yeah, yeah I do, do want
8: to. Ask, just ask the you, chair. Asked an, to, no, ask the chair to that he's in breach of standing orders, saying that we would put a jackboot on people if we were in power. and am to withdraw. I'm it to an opinion. Do, you're in breach of standing orders. Sorry, through the chair. You've you're just made. An go, go and made say it outside the door, like your disgraceful it. allegation you've that we're Putin's public. Say it outside the hall. You you've just made an assertion that certain people shouldn't be on a platform. No, no, actually, mean? we didn't. Stop lying about what we said. Thank you.
1: Tension. And in the waters of southern Greece, bodies are being taken from the sea after a fishing boat smuggling migrants sank in the early hours of Wednesday. At least 78 people are dead and there are reports of possibly hundreds still unaccounted for. On Morning Ireland, Mary spoke to Daphne Tolis, journalist in Kalamata, where many of the survivors are located.
10: We know that uh, among the survivors, uh, there are eight 38 Egyptians, 12 people from Pakistan, 44 Syrian nationals and two Palestinians. Um, And there are also minors, unaccompanied minors, which are uh, children travelling under the age of 18 on their own. And this number is uh, eight. There are eight minors uh, that have survived.
11: And Daphne, what are they saying about the numbers on the boat? Figures as high as 750 and women and children down below
10: we have heard reports from 400 to 750. Some people I spoke to again through uh, WhatsApp, through uh, Messenger, on Facebook, through other social media apps that they are looking for the people. They were saying, yes, we know that this boat left on Friday from Libya, uh, from Tobruk in Libya, and there were at least uh, 400 people. Uh, others say there were 600 people. We have all the visuals, the pictures that were released by Greece's Coast Guard, where we can see people crammed on board. But we can't see how many people are in the lower decks, survivors, and their relatives say that there were also women and children in that. They confirmed Mm -hmm. that, yes, there were women and children traveling on that uh, fishing vessel.
1: From Morning Ireland, and nine suspected people smugglers have been arrested by Greek authorities, but hopes for finding more survivors are fading. Back in a bit. Welcome back. Learning an instrument, never terribly easy, nor indeed nice to listen to sometimes. Spare a thought for Stuart Copeland of the police, Google them kids, and his journey to the drums.
12: Which, what particular instrument do you remember, uh, particularly beating and breaking? Although the fact that you went into drumming perhaps suggests that beating and breaking was there from the very start. Well, banging
13: stuff, yeah. Uh, well, I, I attempted to um, dismantle my father's trumpet, which I still have. I'm looking at it right now. Um, but it, was, um, it resisted my youthful uh, attempts at destruction. Um, but I could get a sound out of it as a kid. Uh, so my father put me on trombone which is a lot easier, it has this huge mouthpiece and any damn fool can get a sound out of a trombone. Of course, to play it beautifully requires great skill and talent. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I discovered banging stuff and I was um, a late developer, uh, the runt of the litter, uh, kind of all my friends were you know, starting to shave and become adult males and I was sort of like, not. <laughs> when's, when, when's my turn? And I felt kind of diminished. Um, Until I banged on a drum and suddenly transformed in an instant to an 800-pound hairy-ass silverback swinging through the trees, (laughs) pounding logs. Take that! And this little squeaky little 12-year-old suddenly became the big bad guy.
1: Now, the police would go on to have mega hits, Roxanne, every breath you take, message in a bottle, and on and on. But what Copeland did after the band finished has, in a way, led him to his current project, arranging their music for full symphony orchestra.
13: After the police uh, expired, uh, I came to Hollywood and became a film composer, did like 20, 30 movies, television, name it. Flinty-eyed, hired gun. You pay me money, I'll write you some music. You want happy, I'll give you happy. And this sounds very unartistic. And indeed, a film composer is not an artist. He's a craftsman um, serving the artistic vision of the director. But the good news is that, man, I did learn some stuff that I would never have learned as an artiste following my own vision. I never would have gone to those places that the harsh yoke of cruel employ forced me into. Um, And the big one of all that is orchestra. It is just the main tool of film composing. And in 20 years, I figured out how to use orchestra and um, develop this relationship. The orchestra is the most magnificent instrument. It just sounds. It it can do anything. Um, It can rage. It can sing. It can soar high Mm. with the birds. It can dig deep into the bowels of the earth it's just an amazing instrument and it was the film composing that taught me how to do that so you know, and this is a, for your listeners by the way any musicians listening to this I uh, would offer this advice don't be afraid to sell out because when you work for the man you're forced to go play and you will learn stuff and don't be afraid I mean sure pursue your artistic vision but don't be afraid of doing bespoke music you'll learn stuff for yeah it.
12: It needs to be thirty seconds long. Shut up and give me thirty seconds. Is kind of what you're told. Exactly, and it's got to be happy, sad, not it, sad, happy.
13: Yeah.
1: Stuart Copeland on arena, with Ryan yesterday. Tenor Killian Donnelly. Now he is a West End star who has played Jean Valjean in Les Mis, and he told this story about how the song "Bring Him Home" came about.
4: I did Valjean in the West End and it was like the 32nd year this is the head the this lead name is Les lead role in Les Mis, Jean Valjean. Valjean Jean Valjean yeah. in the 32nd year written by Claude Michel Schönberg and Alain Boublil and they came to the birthday so we all go front of house and we all are given champagne and hugs and pictures and claude michel comes up to me and he goes great show well done killian and i go look i'll probably never get this opportunity can you tell me a wonderful colin wilkinson story he's my hero and he goes, yep, love telling this story Go of on. how we created Bring Him Home for that man. And I, we were performing in the Barbican. We were performing Lay Miz in the Barbican before it went to the palace. And we had seven weeks there and I hadn't written Bring Him Home. And Cameron McIntosh was coming up to me going, have you got the 11 o'clock number for our star, for our hero Valjean? And he goes, I have it. I hadn't got it. I walked by Colin Wilkinson's dressing room and he was singing quietly The Phantom of the Opera because no. he was learning the demos for The Phantom of the Opera because he was going to be performing that workshop for Andrew Lloyd Webber. So his voice was, The Phantom, very quietly. And he said, I haven't heard that part of Colm's voice. I'll write a song. And he wrote Bring Him Home in G, I think. And Colm said, bring it up. And he brought it up a key, bring it up, no. and brought it up another key and it went up to A. So that's the... The famous story can that he told. Illustrate that for me in 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 song, if you can, that that arc of the of that tune. So it began where, roughly speaking, began, and began, I'm catching it on the on the hot air. No, 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 it began. So it would have been a God on high, but Colum had this part of his voice that he wanted to explore, and also, it's a prayer. It's sung in the barricade when everyone is asleep, and it's meant to be a silent. The song is called the Prayer in the show. When you get the script, it's not called Bring Him Home. So he's singing a prayer to God asking for protection over Marius. And it has to be sung quietly. It has to be sung like a lullaby. So Column just found this part of his voice and it would be God on. And he was like, it's actually more comfortable if you bring it up. God on. It's actually more bring it up. God on high. And then the wow. orchestra just kicks in and everything. So, yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow.
1: Wow is right and absolutely no pressure on our next clip because it is more singing, this time from Ashling B who does the hits of Take That in her new film Greatest Days. She plays a woman looking back at her teenage years and that obsession shared by her and her friends. But as Catherine Thomas pointed out, we know her mainly as a comedian and writer. So what's all this about the singing?
11: But comedian, actor, like was singing something that
1: you trained in as well? We did do
11: a bit of singing at drama school, yeah. I think it's a lot more old fashioned though to be able to do a bit of kind of like I can sing, I can dance, bit of tap. You want me to host this christening? Okay, you know, it's a bit more old school performer to be able to kind of give everything a go. I think I can do everything averagely. Okay. You know, like everything with a, I don't think I'm the world's best singer, but I'm not the worst. Oh, and I've got you can sass th- behind me.
1: Now in the film, she plays a woman at something of a crisis point. I just think it's really clever the way the movie shines a lens as well on us in our sort of late 30s yeah. early 40s because yeah. it can be a time that we sort of reassess our life and yeah. go you know whether our kids are whether they're grown up or whether we haven't had kids or relationships yeah. that we're in or maybe we're not happy with our careers like yeah. where maybe we are not where we want to be like there's all of that and I think yes. it really kind of reminds us that you can actually get back in the driving seat and this is Yeah, and change and of
11: life, exactly. I think there's an element of when you're 16, you have your whole life planned out and your whole life is up till the age of 29. Mm. And after that, you're like, well, I'll probably have a dog farm and just wait to die mm. because that's the oldest I could possibly imagine, being 29. And then after that, you're like, whoa, I didn't plan all these years. Yeah. Didn't think these things were going to happen. And it's sort of like you can take, you can re- become a teenager again after sort of 30 I think and just start out with well what am I working with from here on in Mm. did I have kids did I meet someone did I buy a house did I get divorced did I what did I do did I not meet anyone did I care did I Mm. where where am I in life did I move to a different country am I still my friends and is that okay and Mm. where am I and I think it, it definitely happens um, around this age group in a nostalgic fashion and I'm not sure if you did this but I think the first three months of the pandemic for everyone was like do you know what I'm going to do now I'm going to have an Google as to where absolutely everyone in my class from the junior cert was <laughs> where are they all now that'll pass about a, a week or two until it's over <laughs> you know and I think we do get kind of like what are they doing now oh my god they're doing that, that like,
1: yeah. yeah and where and are we, we all now what we do we all? look
11: like who dyed their hair I'd say she never thought she'd go blonde totally she shows you that life can change it.
1: <laughs> but still in the film and the telly and general showbiz there is an emphasis on age and in her own life how does she feel about all of that? And yeah. every interview that I've read they say you know they always say 39 they mention your age. I know. So are even you even though like, I've where banned with- that from being <laughs> mentioned
11: anywhere legally. Are you taking this out you better edit that out because I have casting I'm age of 12. <laughs> but where are you with <laughs> turning 40 like where where does that sit with you it doesn't really sit i suppose uh in terms of an actor what's interesting is you don't decide your future after a certain point unless you make your own stuff and i think that's why so many of us are making our own stuff it seems like the industry decides where you are with your age rather than you deciding where you are with your career Mm. um and so a great way to be able to fight back against that has been as I have been doing for a decade, making my own TV show or work or stand up where you'll always be in control and the audience. It's a contract between you and the audience, whether you're liked or not it definitely you can see suddenly you become the mothers or the things or even like I'm seven years younger than the casting age of this. Mm. And a lot of the uh, things will say they're in their mid 40s. None of us except for Alice are in but they have an obsession with kind of Mm. naming you or labeling you as a certain stage of your life. And I think a lot more of our generation don't exist in a a mold anymore of Mm. where you're supposed to be. So for me, the one thing I've kind of put age beside is also success and what you thought both would feel or look like so a lot of this film as well is about what you thought that marker would look like mm. the things we were taught to do which was children, house marriage no matter what else you do where are you at those mm. and you'll know if you've actually made it based on those three things rather than how will it feel to get to a certain stage of life how will it feel when you get success can you take it in are you happy are you mm. well did you enjoy the job was it kind do you have friends from it do you feel good in the situation you're in and that's definitely been my big shift and I realise saying my big shift in Ireland has a different <laughs> meaning my big shift was a lad when I was 17 but my big shift in attitudes was oh how does it feel more than how should it look because from yeah. the outside you might look and go everything's going great and yeah. sometimes it's not
1: mm. A very thoughtful Ashling B with Catherine On Tuesday afternoon the death was announced of Christy Dignam The Aslan singer was 63, and while his death was expected, it still came as something of a shock. Fígno Brainon joined Sarah.
4: Uh, Sarah, I'm only just taking it in now, you know, as I listen to his voice there. And the thought that occurs to me first is this beautiful man has now become a beautiful spirit. And I can just sort of feel him all around me at the moment. And I know that might sound a bit strange, but... But it it, it brings back extraordinary memories of every single encounter that I ever had with Christy over the years. And we had many, many funny late night, early morning, broad daylight encounters. And he was always, always such great fun to be around, you know. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's hard to think of him no longer being here, but yet he's everywhere. That's how it feels right now.
1: Christie formed Aslan in 1982 and their first album, Feel No Shame, came in 1988 and was one of the defining Irish albums of that period in music. On Arena, Sean was joined by music journalist Pat Carty.
8: Aslan were just amazing. It was just his voice, you know, no disrespect to the other lads in the band, but the voice. And he wrote, you know, a song like this is an anthem like that. Like all bands write songs, but writing an anthem and then they came back. When everybody had written them off, and did it again with Crazy World,
12: you know, yeah. and it's, it's just phenomenal, really.
1: And with Claire, Imelda May, who had sung with Christie on his very last album.
10: Yeah, he was an extraordinary man, an extraordinary performer, and I'd like to say um, he was a working-class hero, which really influenced me growing up because you don't get a lot of pe- working-class people in, in music, and uh, anymore. And to see him do a thing and be a proper working-class job you know, made me think, I can do that. Maybe I can do that, yeah. <laughs> you
1: know. And with Ryan, Finbar Fury, who had sung The Green Fields of France with Christy on The Late Late Show.
5: I'm just thinking about that time that we sat together, yourself, myself and Christy and it really was something, wasn't
9: it? It was a very special night. I always remember it. it was a, there was nothing like it, you know. I, I've never seen in like the pair of us. It was like, he just came in and it was, we didn't pick a key, we didn't pick anything and he just opened up. We, said, we had a little chat first, and I just hit the the card and the banjo, and he and we took off with the song. And as I said, no rehearsal, no nothing. And it's a it's a big song, you know. And his heart was totally in it, and I just couldn't take my eyes off him. If you remember, you know, because the timing on it was, you know, the song he had it, and he sang it from his heart. He always sang from his heart. He was very, 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 very gorgeous man, and did so much for for music you know and the people loved them all over Ireland everywhere I went you know I had great respect for for what he did and always will he'll be in my memory forever you know
1: And on Liveline those who had met the man or just loved the music got in touch Here's Nicola
9: I,
10: I loved him since I was 17 I loved, all their, I loved all their music
0: I just loved his voice it was so unique and he allowed you to kind of feel your feelings through his music, I can't describe he kind of he let everyone know that whatever they were feeling was okay that's how I fell in love with them they've been my on my favourite playlist for over 30 years now
1: The late Christy Dignam and we'll finish with this from Drive Time These
0: are the hands of a tired man This is the We're in Cardiff Bridge Avenue, I this West. This is the road that is bread and butter down on, There's it? This is a group up here, you know. There's is hands of a tired man, with me. my dad's hand. Do you know go hard from the welts. And the feet of a punished pilgrim must be mad walking up from Crow Patrick, is it? It's Scott doesn't want to do that, wreck your feet, you know. And I thought a band was born a band. You know, I had no conception of somebody, you know, growing up <laughs> yeah. to become a band. And that, 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 kind of instilled in me this thing that these are just ordinary people who got together and became a band. And I thought, well, if they can do it, I can do it. Well, to God, I'm not messing.
10: Christy has one of these voices
8: that it, it, it's a unique yeah. voice. When you hear Christy Dignam singing, there's no one else in the world that sings like him. It's Christy Dignam.
7: Looking at her in the crib in the Rotunda hospital and thinking,
1: Jesus, how am I going to protect her in this world? I can't even make sense of it myself, you know. And I remember looking at her just thinking the awesome responsibility that that was and how what was going
3: to do to protect her, you know. Yeah, it's a lovely song, yeah.
10: How can I protect you in this
0: crazy world? It's all You know, I don't know, it's a vibe about singing kind of it gets to the personal what our beers can get there, you know. It's so I just wanted to be a singer, you know. Back
1: in a bit. Welcome back. With Claire on Monday, a lovely to school through the fields item on the old traditions, popping in for a cup of sugar or just a bit of a chat, doilies. And then it took a turn to the 21st century dark side. It's strange. If you want to come over to my house, text me
7: and tell me why you're coming over and I'll tell you if I'm there or not.
1: Who is right? DJ Thomas Cross do not dare come knocking on his door unannounced. And if you did rock up with a great welcome for yourself, he has a trick.
12: So Just say
7: you're in your house, someone knocks on the door, it's eight o'clock, it's a Tuesday evening and you're going, what is going on? Grab your coat, walk to the oh. door, open the door. If it's someone you like, I come on in, I'm just after coming in from the shops. But if you don't like them, I'm just, I have to go, I have to collect somebody and that means they won't be coming That's into your house.
1: Great strategy. Yeah, it's great. Well, that's that item, Scubbard. And on Mooney Goes Wild, this from Derek.
0: A slug is
4: just a snail without a house.
1: Really? Well, what say Aidan O'Hanlon, entomology curator at the National Museum of Ireland and something of an expert on snails and slugs?
12: That's actually true. That's more true than you would think. Yeah, uh, people would ask that often. Is a a slug just a snail without a shell? And uh, technically it's true, yeah. They're not a, they, don't, they don't come from a single origin. Uh, there are a couple of different taxonomic families of slugs, so they've evolved a few times from within the gastropod group. Um, but that's sort of more technical than it needs to be. They are basically uh, snails who have evolved the need to go beyond living inside a shell. Um, so a big advantage of this, and it might explain Mary's question too, is that wh- whereas snails can retreat inside a shell um, in various weather conditions or to avoid predation, slugs can't which is why they're often found in very damp humid places but they can uh, they're they're also freed up by not having a shell so they can squeeze into tiny little cracks and get in underneath the bark of trees and stuff like that and down into the soil
0: now most people will think we just have the one species of snail
7: here in ireland is that true or are there more
12: if we include the snails that just live on land so the land snails there are probably over a hundred species that are in this group so that would include the land snails and slugs they're, they're lumped together Um, So it's excluding the ones that live around the coast and live in the sea and live in our rivers and lakes. So over 100 species of gastropod is the the scientific grouping of these creatures in Ireland alone. It's probably something like 24,000 around the world. So they're a very diverse group.
1: And if you see them huddling together on top of a flower, cosy, they might be doing stuff.
12: Snails and slugs are what we call simultaneous hermaphrodites. So they're at once both males and females. Um, and they preferentially mate, they outcross, they mate with a a mating partner, but often if they can't find one, they can just do the job themselves and essentially clone themselves. So they'll often come together in these kind of big mating aggregations. Snails are particularly weird because they can shoot these things called love darts, which are sort of like aphrodisiac harpoons, where they shoot these darts (laughs) into the side of each other's heads, and it stimulates a kind of a copulation behaviour then, or courtship behaviour. So they'll do that before mating and you'll often find snails, depending on the time of year or I suppose their, their, their life stage, if they're in a mating stage of their life, you'll find them aggregating and being attracted to these sort of big aggregations of snails to, to mate as well.
1: From Mooney Goes Wild and not included here simply for the titterers down the back, oh no, because there is a link here to Tuesday's lifeline.
14: Never trust a bun. No, never trust a bun.
1: That's Peter, and he phoned Colm about a very serious tussle he had with a bull. Because when they come onto a farm to do one job, but then get distracted,
7: trouble. Monday morning we went down for the cows and I just walked past them and I just looked at him and he just went straight for me and that was it, you know. There was no pawing the ground or there was no nothing, there was absolutely no sign that he was uh, that he was going to do it, you know. So did you break
14: that. into a sprint straight away or were you knocked to the ground?
7: No, I was knocked before I knew it. It was it was happening before I knew it because um, he didn't hesitate, like you know. Um, but I suppose I was lucky, like in that uh, it was at the top of a hill where he hit me, and if <clears throat> if he knocked me down the hill, I was kind of in open country, and it was there was kind of be very hard to get away from him. But uh, the fact that I was able to kind of stay going forward. And he hit me the second time. He kind of nudged me towards wire, so I was able to scramble under electric fence. Then, and uh, and, and it all happened so fast; it was kind of happening before I even knew it. So, um,
14: and the first time he hit you, and he hit you, done to knock you to the ground. What was going through your head at that point?
7: Yeah, look, you you just don't you don't ever think it's going to happen to you. Like you know, uh, you you hear the stories, and uh, normally they're fatalities. So I, I wasn't thinking anything else. I need to show was over here. And uh, I'm very lucky. Like I'm absolutely very lucky. I've only a couple of broken ribs out of it.
1: A seriously lucky escape. That was Peter. But then the bull call started. Oh yes, on Tarav So
3: We were out having a picnic with Stephen, and the wife and the two children,
1: and suddenly the gate
3: opened and in comes forty young heifers, forty cheeky young heifers, and ran straight for us. Mary said they're coming at us. I said they're not. I said they're only playing. And straight away they came at us, and we jumped up. We stepped the wife from the two kids, and we ran into the river. And we actually stayed in the river. Two of them came into the river after us, and they trampled over everything. We had to wait in the river for a half an hour till them, till they went off somewhere else.
14: And did it put much it's of good. a halt to their gallop? did they?
3: I know they, they came in, and the devils they ate all our food. They did our sandwiches on a rabbit tartan. They ate everything. And what was but in the sandwiches? Do you
14: mind me asking?
3: There was uh, ham and cheese. And they ate the whole lot, the, the, the young, young differs The word of, But we didn't, the farmer didn't even know we were there.
1: And then it was like the cows were talking to him.
3: They were not moving. We're not moving. We're staying just to our fields. You shouldn't be here. I don't know why you're here. That that's it. We're not going. You can, you know yourself. Yeah. But I won't say it on the radio, but we, we had to wait and wait and wait. Here's Mary now with an ice cream. Doolin got me a cone. Good girl, Mary. You're a sweetheart. She Who's, Ma- Who's Mary? The Mary's the wife. All right. Is, is she doesn't she... talk with George. I to get her talking I one could... day in on the radio. She wouldn't talk.
14: And they, and the family said, you're going to be attacked by the stampeding cows. Mm-hmm. And you yep. said, not at all. Was was no, Mary? I said, was... No
3: way. And, oh, and well, the wife said, the Irish are coming for us. Said, you're okay not getting
14: experts. any ice cream cone after not listening to her on that occasion.
3: I know. That's what she. I never listened to her column. I, I always swear to God, everything she said, she's right. That's the truth. And we had a fortune teller who told us a fortune one time and he said, Whatever you do, listen to your wife, because your wife is more brainer than you are. And was, was like, and was that and was that before or after brainer. the
14: stampede attack?
3: No, she said, What's wrong? What are you saying? She's hanging outside the door, throwing her hands up the air. She wants know, would you like a ninety nine? No, well, that was after the stampede.
14: It was it was after the stampede you talked to the fortune teller. It's a pity you didn't talk to oh, the yeah, fortune yeah, teller yeah, before yeah. the stampede, isn't yeah.
3: it? <laughs> no, she's happened now, look. Yeah. <laughs> then just there, she said, They're still right.
1: Miles with column, and there were some fine calls on bulls and near misses. But really, the prize bull story goes to Tom.
15: Yeah, I had a tight escape, with it With a Friesian bull.
1: And this was no ordinary Friesian. It was a few years ago, Tom was on the bog near Tobber. Take it away.
15: He stopped pawing the ground and froth out of his mouth, and the next thing he came for me. And all I could do was run for the digger.
14: And could you could you feel him thundering along behind you? Did you get the feeling oh, on the ground Jesus, as he came towards you? I,
15: I could, but I had to watch where I was going. And I jumped onto the to the track of the digger. And he jumped up onto the track of the digger, but the ground was soft where I was, and his back legs went down.
14: So only you were digging he, in a boggy field, he might have got a better jump up on the track of the digger where you were.
15: Yes, I'd say, he'd better have come in the window to me.
1: Now this bull think Jaws mixed with the Terminator. For dramatic effect.
15: Yeah, when I started engine, he managed to, to get himself free but he didn't go far away. And then I slew the digger around towards his head and he started trying to 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 to, to push the the bucket of the digger away what he said.
14: He got into a button match with the bucket of the digger and he squared yeah, up with to that, the digger. With,
15: Aram, with the, with the arm of the digger he got into a head button match to a head. And I used to push him back and he'd go for it again and I'd push him back and he'd go for it again and he he, he still kept ahead and ahead and ahead. But this time I said there's only one plan for this fellow now because I it was shoving on getting late in the evening I said there's only one plan for this fellow now. I said I'll give him i give him a little bit of the bucket in the head.
14: Did it soften his cough at all or did he keep going?
15: Well, right, Jess, I can tell you one thing. <laughs> Once I gave him the tip, uh, he had little butts of horns, but there weren't long horns, like where someone saw the horns off him one time and, you know, they grew a small bit.
14: Right. Just as well, because if there had been any length of those horns, you might have been a goner when you were back up standing on the tracks. That the, the bit of sinking oh, he yeah, did wouldn't in the he, bog well, wouldn't, it, wouldn't have done yeah, you wouldn't much good would've... at that point.
15: Oh, no, but I gave him a little bit to the bucket anyway and uh, it sort of stunned him I suppose and by Jesus he took off for the, where the cows was in and I got my chance to go but when he went back over to the cows anyway he used to look at me he was one of the wickedish bulls I ever came across I'd say.
1: <sighs> and all of this because the bull just wasn't getting the job done so to speak and Colum O'Mungon not afraid to get right into it.
15: And the reason why I'd say that he was pawned the ground, if he had enough of, if he had enough of action, for Bullen, he wouldn't be watching me, you know.
14: So you reckon if he, he, if he, he, he was, he was, he be, wasn't up to the job he was, he was there for. So he was looking around but, to prove no, his mettle somewhere to, else.
15: He hadn't enough of work for himself and he, and he was getting annoyed with the fact that then I was something different there and, and like the old high and Darren were swinging around. What's that doing there in my territory or whatever?
14: Do you think when he looked over at the highmark and he saw the big long arms swinging that it was a rival in the field? Something like that, no. And, and come here, after having put a bit of manners on him in front of all of the cows, did he have any luck with the job he was supposed to be doing after the cows saw him being humiliated by you?
15: No, because you see, the thing is, if a bull hasn't enough for cows to bull, and especially in the fall of the year, them, them bulls will, 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 will pitch on someone when they haven't enough for work to do, when they haven't enough for bulling to do. You know, if that's cows bulling, they won't bother you.
1: Liveline on Tuesday, bringing us to Father's Day tomorrow. Yes, shame on us. What you going to get? A nice shaving bam, some socks. For Keith Walsh on Drive Time, no.
0: We always played it down. I'm grand. I a just, a bit of peace and quiet. I'm just yeah. happy if the children are happy. All of those things that we said, we were lying. Like, <laughs> we said these things and then we no. got the socks and then we got something from some Card and something from the 24-hour garage and we spent the day seething, angry, disappointed. No, Nobody Keith, come us. on. They don't care you're about a, it. That's you're bigger, you're a it bigger ourselves. daddy.
4: You're a bigger daddy than that, Keith, aren't you? If, if you got socks, you weren't upset, were you?
0: Uh, of course I was. This was a sign of how much my family and my children, my children loved me. And, it, it, you know, a pair of socks from pennies, is that what I mean to you? <laughs> you know, I, we, we don't tell people what we want. Like, we want nice stuff. I, 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 like Get a budget, figure out how much you need. If you need a loan, go and get some some extra money. We want good stuff. We want branded items. We want t-shirts with labels on them. We want uh, trainers. We want trainers. Spend €100. Spend €120 on a pair of, I won't name any of the the brands. But we want good stuff. We want cologne. We don't want the brute anymore. That's on the bottom shelf in the chemistry you see. That's the bottom shelf. And as you look up, a bit like whiskey, as you look up, we want the stuff on the top shelf that is expensive. We've given you the warning. You've got time. And I think... it came from us because we were saying, oh, I don't really mind. But then we'd get something we didn't like. So it was just sort of like, it was cyclical. We we knew they weren't going to spend money on us. So what was
1: the point? Daddies of Ireland, downtrodden. Now we know your pain. Or not.
6: We just have another text. This person says, so I had my body cut open to birth my child, have been breastfeeding for two and a half years, and her dad sleeps through the night, wake ups, nighttime wake ups, and he wants more than socks. Go away out of that.
0: Well, yes, that, yeah, that's a fair point. That's a fair <laughs> point, and I don't actually have a comeback. Get your mum two sets of Bluetooth head scooters and two bottles of phone. <laughs> Just get your dad one.
1: You are the man. Be good to your daddy. Well, that is it from this week's Playback. Thank you for listening. Talk to you next week.